0: Highway 1 reopens.
1: We're actually quite pleased that the condition of the road having been under water for many, many days.
0: Travel through the Fraser Valley cautiously resumes, but for how long?
2: We have never run those pumps full tilt for this long ever. Heavy rain returns with a threat of even more flooding in Abbotsford and beyond.
0: And the fake nurse. Something like this is very concerning to hear and also very troubling. How she avoided detection at a major BC hospital for months.
3: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
2: Good evening and thanks for joining us. The major transportation artery between Abbotsford and Chilliwack is finally open again.
0: Highway 1 has been closed for 11 days, submerged by the same flood that wiped out farms in Sumas Prairie. As John Hua reports, this is a crucial step in getting goods flowing between the lower mainland and the interior.
4: For 10 days, the closure of Highway 1 kept entire communities apart.
5: Everything I need is out here, so it's been really rough.
4: The supply chain placed in a stranglehold after flooding turned this vital stretch of road between Abbotsford and Chilliwack into a river.
6: Yeah, it's been a pain. (laughs) I mean, trucks aren't getting through.
4: Despite being hit by another heavy downpour, the province announced Highway 1 would finally reopen on Thursday afternoon
7: important to get people moving in the easy and quick direction and allow us to focus on the roads that have a lot worse issues.
4: Heading down the reopened highway and seeing some of the devastation firsthand makes the fact this section is still drivable that much harder to believe.
1: We were, we we're actually quite pleased that the condition of the road having been under water for many many days uh, is in good condition. Uh, the, the electric systems for highway lighting um, are intact.
4: With so much water surrounding the highway and plenty of rainfall in the forecast, variable speeds are in place and constant monitoring a must.
1: And If necessary, we may have to close the highway again because safety is always our first priority.
4: Many motorists told Global News they didn't realize just how important the highway connection really was until it was gone. According to the Ministry of Transportation, on average, about 80,000 vehicles travel the highway between Langley and Chilliwack each day.
8: You're not getting to the Fraser Canyon on Highway 1, you're not getting to Route 5 Coca
4: Coquihalla, you're not getting to the Hope-Princeton Route 3 unless you're going through Highway 1 in the Fraser Valley. The reopened section of highway does not include any travel restrictions, which means free movement for supply trucks driving on this feeder route. Residents hitting the road ready to reconnect. John Hua, Global News, Chilliwack. And there's also some
2: encouraging news about the Coquihalla. 100 pieces of equipment are now in place and starting to work on the extensive damage along that highway. Richard Zussman joins us live with more on Highway 5. And what everyone wants to know, Richard, the potential timeline
6: of reopening it. And we got that timeline today, Chris, for commercial vehicles. It will reopen by January, yes, a few months away, but the damage is substantial and it is going to be for commercial vehicles only to begin with. There is no timeline yet from the province in terms of when other vehicles will be able to go on Highway 5, it is a crucial highway that connects uh, Metro Vancouver to the rest of the province and is massive for commercial movement. And let's take a look at some numbers today provided by the province in terms of how substantial this damage is. 20 sites damaged or washed away along the highway, 130 kilometers affected, five bridges collapsed or heavily damaged, and clearly it will take a lot of time to fix all of that.
1: When we do open up, uh, obviously like other highways that have been impacted, it won't be business as usual on the Coquihalla. There will be two segments, each 20 to 30 kilometers in length, where the highway will have to have reduced speeds and only one lane in each direction will be possible. Um, I suppose if there is something fortunate about the Coquihalla damage, it is that the areas that experienced the most challenging winter conditions were not as impacted and we will have the same road standard as before the storms.
2: Richard, there's a whole lot of work left to be done. Have they put a price (laughs) tag on it yet?
6: The province, Chris, won't even guess at this point about how expensive it is going to be to fix. No doubt it will be in the billions of dollars. How many billions, it is still unclear. And exactly how all of this is going to be paid for is also unclear. But the province says it will build it back and it will build it back better.
2: Good to hear. All right. Thanks very much, Richard.
6: Well, for residents of the
0: hard-hit flood areas, today's rain and the series of storms still on the forecast are making for a stressful situation. Our Romina Dea joins us live from Abbotsford tonight. Remina, their concerns can be boiled down to two questions. How much rain is going to fall and will the repaired dike and sandbags hold?
9: Sophie, many residents are petrified as to what's going to happen next. The rain has been relentless and there are two more storms headed this way. 68 years
6: on this land. Creating a path for the water to escape.
9: Gary Williams refusing to be pushed out by floods. His greatest concern will the dike hold.
6: Hopefully uh, they reinforce them some and... uh, We won't get as much rain, and uh, this time we'll we'll escape disaster.
9: Repairs and reinforcement on the busted dike, 95% complete. But 20,000 acres in Sumas Prairie is still submerged.
6: What I am worried about, and I mean worried, not just concerned, I'm worried about is what will the nooksack do?
9: Farmers near the border say they can't take another hit of water from Washington, a year's worth of crops already destroyed. So the leftovers. We're done with the soup. But out of tragedy, communities continue to emerge stronger. We think we can handle it ourselves. As farmers, normally we don't want help. But we love that everybody's stepping up. The tiny hamlet of Arnold suffered great loss. Marnie Brecken's home was under six feet of water. Every
10: time somebody says they prayed for me, I cry. Because it's just,
11: it just means so much that people do care.
9: Volunteers are trying to ease the trauma for so many who have no idea what the future holds.
6: They haven't felt that anyone are thinking about themselves. Everybody's thinking about somebody else. Even if it's raining, it feels like the sunshine is right there. It's everywhere.
9: Now, so far, the dike is holding. The Barrowtown pump is going full tilt, so no rise in the water levels today, said the mayor. But as I mentioned off the top, two major storms are headed this way. The most intense one is coming early next week.
0: Back to you. All right. Let's hope uh, it all holds and, and Abbotsford gets through this one. Thanks, Romina.
2: All right. Let's get the details on those weather systems approaching. We'll bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon now with the latest. Christy.
7: Well, so far we've seen 20 to 40 millimeters of rain from this system. Just to give you perspective, we saw 200 to 300 from that last system that devastated the region. So far less with this one, that's for sure. As we head, though, through the overnight period, we're still expecting another 10 to 30 millimeters of rain, and it will ease through the morning hours. We'll see a break tomorrow afternoon, but keep in mind, even when we see the rain ease falling from the sky, it takes a long time to come down through the rivers and streams. So we'll still see an impact potentially on the river. Rivers into tomorrow now the next system on deck is on saturday that's actually the biggest one of concern right now another 60 to 100 millimeters into our sunday as well that's when we're going to see a significant change in the freezing levels with them soaring up to 2500 meters and we'll see a significant impact then on the snow melt as well so the impact will likely be into sunday monday we'll be tracking it very closely uh, for you over the weekend all
2: and right we'll check in a little later on the news hour as well thanks very much christy
0: well, one of the victims of last week's mudslides on Highway 99 is being remembered as a towering figure. Brett Diederichs remains missing after a pair of slides swept five people from the Duffy Lake Road. The search for his body has been called off. Himadagahi has the story.
12: Just three days after his 36th birthday, Brett Diederichs, along with his partner and mom, were on their way to start a new life in Victoria when they, among dozens of other drivers, were caught in a violent and deadly mudslide on Highway 99. Probably one of the most beautiful people in general that I've ever met in my life, to be honest. They had initially come to a stop because ahead of them was a slide blocking the road. Diederichs, among other people outside of his car, were trying to figure out a way forward when a second slide swept down the mountain. Matt Diederich's instinct saved his family's life. They were out of the car, um, and he, he could hear it, and he shoved his mom back in the car and said, Mom, get in the car and shove the door, and that's it. The death of four people has been confirmed, and despite days of extensive search, Diederich's body has not been found. So many people are crushed. As family gathers in Victoria to grieve, the tragic news is reaching friends and colleagues in Toronto's restaurant community, where Diedrich's is well known. Really impacted almost everyone that he came across, and it's a re- tragic loss. And most, you know, most of us who knew him, even for a minute or for for a long time, are very obviously very sad, upset. It's his heart. It's his warmth. It's his presence. That's um,
3: it's just him. His soul. That's what I can miss the most.
12: Diederich's had aspirations of becoming a first responder. And those who knew him say it was in his nature, even in those final moments, to put the well-being of others before himself. Sadly, the RCMP has had to suspend the search and says it may not be safe to resume until early next spring. Emma Global News. A woman posing as a nurse goes undetected for a year
2: at a major B.C. hospital how her true identity was finally revealed, and what it means for the patients she treated in just over a minute.
5: We just jumped into action and did what needed to be done.
0: A stunning string of rescues during the flood emergency. How teams in surrounding communities rallied to help. Coming up on the News Hour.
2: And Trans Mountain extends the timeline to reopen its pipeline. What that delay means for gas rationing coming up later.
0: Right now, though, a scandal of sorts at B.C. Women's Hospital where a woman is accused of impersonating a nurse and treating patients for at least a year during the pandemic.
2: Health authorities are still trying to figure out how Bridget Clareau, with a history of fraud accusations, got hired at one of the province's premier hospitals. Aaron MacArthur reports.
5: For more than a year, a woman posing as a nurse delivered medical care to patients at BC Women's Hospital. Working with the Ottawa Police Service, the Vancouver Police Department recommended charges of fraud and impersonation. Crown Council approved charges Thursday against 49-year-old Bridget Clareau for impersonating a nurse between June 2020 and June 2021.
10: We don't know yet how many um, people that this had affected, but we are working with uh, the Provincial Health Services Authority to um, you know, identify patients that may have come into contact with her during that time.
5: The BC College of Nurses and Midwives put out a warning about Clairo in June of this year, indicating she worked under aliases and was never registered to work as a nurse, reminding employers to verify registration status for all new hires. According to the Minister of Health, there is an internal investigation into the hiring of a convicted fraudster. Obviously, it's a police matter, and uh, uh, it will be dealt with by them. But uh, we take uh, patient safety and the quality and qualifications of our health professionals very seriously. Claireau has a long list of convictions. She has been on the radar of licensing bodies for more than a decade. The Ontario College of Nurses issued a warning about her in 2010, which is still active. The B.C. Nurses Union says this raises serious questions about the state of patient care in the province. The union wants to know if staffing shortages led to corners being cut in the hiring process.
11: Why did it happen? How did it happen? Is there enough people checking who's on the floor? Are we that short staffed that we don't even know who's in the care of our, our patients? It's very concerning.
5: Clara remains in custody, awaiting her next court appearance. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
2: No charges have been approved against a well-known driving instructor on Vancouver Island. In early October, sexual assault charges were recommended against Stephen Wallace, according to documents shared with Global News by an alleged victim. Now, in a statement, B.C. Prosecution Services says after a full review, the charge assessment has not been met for any criminal offense. At the time, ICBC announced that after investigating Wallace, it was permanently canceling his driving instructor license, subject to a 30-day appeal window, and that Wallace had agreed to several terms, including not attending any premises where driving students might be present.
0: Well, the new Surrey Municipal Police Service is still weeks away from having its first officers begin patrols, and already it's hit a snag in recruitment.
2: Global News has learned the provincial government is putting a limit on how many officers Surrey can hire away from other forces. Katherine Urquhart has the details.
13: The new Surrey Police Service had hoped to be fully operational by 2024. But that's now uncertain. BC Police Services is restricting the number of hires allowed by
6: SPS in 2022. We put forward a number of 400. That said, we heard back from uh, police services. And uh, and they have revised and given a, a range that's more in the 175 to 200 range.
13: Why the restriction on hiring? The Ministry of Public Safety told Global News the decision was made in part due to the effects of officer attrition from other police agencies in B.C., and the Justice Institute of BC Police Academy's ability to accommodate increased recruit training needs. Vancouver Police is among the departments impacted by SPS hiring.
12: So so far, 21 uh, VPD uh, officers have chosen to lateral over to the new uh, Surrey Police Service in addition to uh, one uh, civilian professional, so 22 staff members in total. Also,
13: a number of smaller departments have expressed concern. As for Surrey RCMP officers making the move, the Mounties confirm that just 23 Surrey RCMP members have resigned from the RCMP and patched over to the Surrey Police Service. For many departments, creation of Surrey Police Service has caused uncertainty.
12: We don't know for certain uh, how many more uh,
13: may choose to go. The Surrey Police Service remains hopeful.
6: I think it's probably premature to forecast out whether it's going to create a delay or not. What I can tell you is that we're really looking forward to bringing on more members.
13: SPS now in a challenging position as it tries to move forward with a new, fully operational police department. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
2: Coming up, Amazon seems to have changed the game for online scammers.
14: People uh, reaching out to consumers saying that they're calling on behalf of Amazon.
2: How the online retailer is unwittingly drawn into thousands of fraud cases.
0: And perfect conditions for opening day at Whistler. The snow has returned, but what about American tourists?
2: Of course, Black Friday officially kicks off tomorrow, and bargain hunters everywhere will be taking full advantage of those online deals.
0: Unfortunately, scammers will be hard at work as well, impersonating major businesses like Amazon, all to steal your personal information. With more on how the scam works and how to avoid becoming a victim, let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrea
14: and Thanks, Sophie. According to a recent report, Amazon tops the list of impersonated businesses. The U.S.-based Federal Trade Commission reports that between July 2020 and June 2021, one in three people who reported a business impersonator say the scammer pretended to be from Amazon. About 96,000 people reported being targeted and 6,000 said they lost money. In fact, reported losses totaled more than $27 million, with the average loss per individual at a reported Now here's how the scam works. Impersonators send you a message via text or a link about suspicious activity or unauthorized purchases on your Amazon account. When you call the number provided to sort out the issue, you are now connected to the fraudster who then continues to trick you into handing over your personal information. Here at home, the Better Business Bureau says it's not surprised by this type of scam. In fact, it's getting worse. The BBB says there has been a rise in online scams during the pandemic and it's cautioning consumers as we head into Black Friday and the height of the holiday shopping season to be extra vigilant. So some of the things that we see are spoofed emails, unsolicited calls, people uh, reaching out to consumers saying that they're calling on behalf of Amazon and that there's a problem and that they need immediate attention, they need payment or they need your information. Um, Again, trying to catch you uh, unaware your personal information gets into the hands of a criminal, that information could be used for identity theft. That's probably the, the scariest that I can think of is that people could take out credit card names in, on your using your information um, or they could take out uh, loans and, and other things attached to that. Now, Amazon told us it regularly collaborates with the Better Business Bureau to help protect customers from scammers. The BBB recommends to be skeptical of unsolicited calls and ignore calls requesting immediate action. Also, beware of unusual payment methods like wire transfer, prepaid debit cards, and cryptocurrency. If you are a victim of fraud, report the incident to Amazon, the Better Business Bureau, and the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatter at globalnews.ca. All right, sounds good. Thanks,
0: Ann. Up next, crunch time for a critical part of the supply chain.
15: We've run down the clock. It's midnight. The crisis is here.
0: Why B.C. ports have some heavy lifting ahead.
15: But first, why it could be a while before you're allowed to
2: fill up again in B.C.
3: Watch the global news in 980 CKNW leadership series every Saturday and Sunday in partnership with Fortis, BC. That's energy at work.
2: A leading gas analyst says the latest update today on the Trans Mountain pipeline means we could be rationing gas well into the new year. Trans Mountain shut down the pipeline November 14th knowing heavy rain and flooding were likely. It turns out the line stayed intact, but much of the cover for the pipeline was washed away, leaving many sections of it exposed. With a lot more rain in the forecast and difficulty getting equipment into the areas that need shoring up, the company has no timeline to restart it.
5: The fact that Trans Mountain has not used the same language today as it has for the past several days uh, confirms my fears a week or two ago that, uh, or at least at the beginning of this last week, that uh, this would be uh, a much longer process than, uh, than anyone had wanted.
2: McTag believes if people get greedy, we could see more gas stations running out of gas in the next week. But if people are responsible and limit their use, we should be okay.
0: Well, the floods and highway washouts are yet another blow to the beleaguered Okanagan tourism sector. The vast majority of winter visitors to the region and resorts like Big White are from the south coast. Opening day is Friday. But with the indefinite closure of the Coquihalla and other highways, they're already taking a hit.
3: The lower mainland literally is 50% of our overnight visitation that comes from around the world. In the
8: last week, we've had over 70 cancellations.
0: Wineries are busy this time of year. Skiing, hiking, snowshoeing. Um, We've got very strong visitation in this area normally. There's absolutely going to be an impact. With the outlook for South Coast tourism uncertain, tourism officials are calling on local residents to do what they did during the height of the pandemic and support local businesses.
2: The crisis is here. That warning today from the head of the Port of Vancouver as he delivered his annual State of the Port address.
0: The ominous report card comes in the wake of the widespread problems caused by the pandemic and the disastrous floods. Ted Chernecki reports.
16: Who could have ever imagined that the State of the Port of Vancouver annual address could end up being the social event of the year? There haven't been many gatherings like this in almost two years.
7: So, we have a sold-out room. Thank you very much. And we have about 100 people joining us virtually as well. So hello to all of you. The
16: trucks and trains are rolling in and out of the port of Vancouver again, and the port's boss couldn't thank everyone enough.
15: The port has been directly affected. Rail service was halted for eight days. But as of today, both major railways are operating on CP's line, and CN expects to have their line back in operation within 24 hours.
16: So we're good until the next slide or flood, and that could happen sooner rather than later. Because if it's one thing that's caught the attention of anyone in shipping...
15: ...is the need to build capacity as well as resilience into the global and local supply chains, to find the balance between just-in-time and just-in-case.
16: Sylvester spent a fair bit of his address comparing the Port of Los Angeles and its well-documented bottleneck issues to here. In LA, there are more than 100 ships at anchor waiting on average 12 days to get docked and another 12 days to get their containers on trains. Here he says, before last week's weather event, it's been four days at anchor and a four-day wait to get on the rails. But he says that relatively good record won't last.
15: We've run down the clock. It's midnight. The crisis is here.
16: The crisis is the shortage of industrial land on which to store containers. Without elaborating on where the port might magically find more real estate, he says the port is having to store containers too far from Vancouver or Roberts Bank, where they normally would be filled with Canadian exports.
15: Without land close to the port, to do this quickly and efficiently, shipping lines are simply rushing containers back to empty to Asia leaving Canada's exporters empty-handed.
16: Meanwhile, in B.C.'s other major port, the MSC Altair has been refloated after strong winds grounded the container ship on Digby Island in Prince Rupert. It once again showed how weather could be the great disruptor next year and for years to come. Ted Szenegi, Global News. Time to take a look at the latest COVID-19
2: numbers for B.C. We have 424 new cases and 3,061 active cases. 295 people are in hospital, 112 of those patients in the ICU. There have been three more deaths from complications of the virus, and 87.5% of eligible British Columbians are now fully vaccinated. Keith Baldry joins us now with some interesting new data, Keith, on COVID-19 in hospitals Mm -hmm. and the impact it's had there.
16: Yeah, Center for Disease Control releasing today for the first time what the picture of COVID nineteen looks like at our hospital since the pandemic began back in March of twenty twenty, and the numbers are interesting. They tell a certain story. So right now uh, we've got one thousand six hundred and nineteen cases in one hundred and sixteen outbreaks. Nine of those are active. The vast majority are over, of course. Two hundred seventy four people have died in hospital. All of them patients, no staff. And most of the cases, the hospital's hardest hit. Burnaby General, one hundred eighty seven cases, and memorial 147 cases now again most of these outbreaks occurred in 2020 or early in 2021 as our vaccination numbers continue to get ever higher uh, the outbreaks become smaller in scope and smaller in number we're seeing that in long-term care we're seeing that on the hospital side as well all right keith thanks very much very
2: interesting indeed
0: Restrictions on live events have had a devastating impact on theaters and nonprofits, which count on in person galas for a good chunk of their fundraising dollars. Kristen Robinson looks at how some have survived and at what price in the fourth and final installment of the casualties of COVID.
10: This is the only traffic the Stanley Theater saw for 20 months. The Arts Club reopening its marquee venue to the public with a twist on a holiday classic, hoping to fill 620 seats that have been empty since the start of the pandemic.
5: COVID-19 is the biggest challenge we've ever faced.
10: Western Canada's largest theatre company cancelled more than 20 productions.
11: I'm Maurice, Maurice Raddick.
10: Before launching, one actor shows with audiences of 50. That's how
16: I earn my pay.
5: We usually employ between 300 to 500 artists every year, and we, we went down to, you know, like 20.
10: With revenue down 92%, the nonprofit relied on subsidies, fundraising, and its rainy day fund, to stave off up to $5 million in losses this season.
5: This was the rainiest day that you could imagine for the arts.
9: More than, more than 60% of our revenue declined last year with the virtual galas.
10: Down more than a million dollars, Canuck Place worked hard to close the gap on fundraising.
11: See you later, we're going to get you up for music, okay?
10: To support the more than 800 children and families it serves as the province's only pediatric palliative care provider... At Canuck Place, where the little house that, that can and uh, our team has been incredibly creative uh, over the past 18 months. I
2: know we have a virtual audience at home too. It's cool if you're in pajamas.
10: Raising more than $1.5 with a hybrid gala this fall and launching a 50-50 raffle. Three, two, one. The BC Children's Hospital Foundation's Miracle Weekend went virtual. Thank you so much for your donations. Keep them coming though its three galas put on hold. Wow.
2: The care of our children doesn't pause for a pandemic.
10: What if home wasn't a hospital? The nonprofit that helps fund the care of nearly 100,000 sick kids a year was able to combat a 7% revenue shortfall with online events, its dream lottery, and the support of generous donors.
2: I think we've worked hard to ensure that um, the business model is able to weather really tough challenges like COVID.
10: Back at the arts club, the tables are turning, thanks in part to the vaccine passport.
5: We saw a big surge in ticket sales when people realized that everyone around them was also gonna be double vaccinated.
10: And hope that the return to 100% capacity will stage a comeback.
5: It means a path forward. It
6: means that there is a future.
10: Kristen Robinson, Global News.
0: Coming up, heroes who rushed in when everyone else had to run out.
15: We're talking dumpsters floating down the road, cars floating down the road. They look like a war zone.
0: The rescuers who put their own lives on the line to save others.
15: And coming
2: up in sports, the Canucks slump is tough to watch. So how do you think the players feel? They'll tell you later.
3: Here's the Wines of British Columbia question of the day. What is unique about harvesting ice wine that isn't normally done while harvesting grapes for traditional table wine? A the harvest is done only on the weekend. B, the harvest is done during the night or at dawn. C, the harvest is done for an hour per day over a one-week period. Stay tuned after the break for the answer. Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series, an engaging interview series featuring inspiring BC leaders Saturdays on Global and Sundays on BC One throughout November. In partnership with Fortis BC, that's energy at work. The answer for the Wines of British Columbia question of the day is B. Harvest takes place at night to ensure the grapes are at the optimal temperature of below minus eight degrees Celsius.
0: It's opening day for Whistler-Blackcomb, and with conditions said to be excellent, the hills and lifts have been steady.
2: Mm -hmm. The big question is, will the lingering effects of the pandemic and the recent flooding prevent the bounce back the resort desperately needs? Jordan Armstrong reports.
17: In any mountain town, this is the sort of opening day they dream of. Enough snow that chairlifts have to be swept.
5: It's going to be a good day. We're going to shred the gnar. It's going to be a good time.
17: To be completely honest, I'm pretty drunk still, so, you know, it's very it's very whistler-esque, no doubt. So far, the crowd is steady, but the hills aren't packed. In terms of business, the forecast for the upcoming season is tough to predict.
11: We do know that there is a lot happening in our province right now, so we happen to be in this very nice little oasis, and we're very, very thankful. Ah!
17: The resort is hoping for a more normal year. No social distancing in lineups, and no checking for vaccine passports on gondolas. Opinion on that? Is mixed.
11: Hopefully, people will, you know, follow the rules and stuff themselves.
1: I feel totally safe. I'm not bothered by it at all.
17: It is no coincidence Whistler aims to open in time for U.S. Thanksgiving. I live in Madison, Wisconsin. I just moved to Seattle. American visitors crucial for the local economy, but few showed up for opening day.
8: I'm from Ottawa, Toronto, Ontario.
17: <laughs> Have you seen any Americans? Uh, no. According to Tourism Whistler, on a typical season, about 30% of visitors to town come from the U.S.
7: We are anticipating that it's going to take some time for all of our international markets, including the United States, to rebound. Um, This year we're expecting U.S. visits to be down about 58% compared to a typical winter season.
17: In the village, still quiet, still lots of room at the inn. For small business owners like Diana Chan, It's been a tough two years.
11: We've struggled. We need a season like we're hoping to have.
17: Hope reinforced by the snow.
11: These are loonies from the sky.
17: Jordan Armstrong, Global News, Whistler. Looks good up there. It sure does.
2: Jordan looked cold, but don't feel bad for him. He's a great skier, and you know he got some runs in while he was up there.
0: Yes, I'm sure he pitched that story.
2: (laughs) I I bet he did uh... snow up there very often means rain down here and lots of it on the way here's christy with the forecast
7: Thanks so much. So here's a quick look at the total so far today. This is a 24-hour total from 20 to 43 millimeters across the lower mainland. So by comparison with the 200 to 300 that we saw with that devastating one over two days, uh, this is far less. But as we all know, this is just the start of it. So overnight tonight, totals by tomorrow morning could reach 80 millimeters from this storm. We are going to see a bit of a break in the action tomorrow. Here's a look at the flood potential from uh, BC River Forecast Centre, particularly concerned about the south coast. Region and the Fraser Valley, but it's not so much from this storm number one. It's going to be storm number two and three that have a greater impact. Here's a look at them. Storm number two moves in on Saturday. We will continue to see that rainfall into our Sunday. We'll see lingering rainfall into our Monday also. So it's relentless rain after today. And there's that storm number three moving onshore on a Tuesday, and we'll see the impact into our Wednesday. So one thing after another, but it's not just the rain falling from the sky it's the surge in freezing levels. So storm number two, we could see that freezing level climb to 2,500 meters and it will likely stay that high as we head into storm number three. So significant snowmelt is expected and of course that moisture comes down the mountains and can impact the rivers and streams. The first uh, biggest concern for impact on rivers and streams will likely be Monday into Tuesday, but then continuing from there on in, of of course. So uh, tomorrow afternoon, although we'll see a break in the afternoon weather-wise for Metro Vancouver, We still do have a chance of showers through the Fraser Valley, but certainly much lighter tomorrow. It's Saturday, Sunday that we'll see number two, and then three moves in on a Tuesday. Tonight's central window's weather window coming to you from grade uh, 10, Jasmine Armstrong from the Esquimale High high, uh, School there. Uh, Apparently, Mr. With... Witski actually watches our show, and he suggested, as she had, was in her his photography class, he suggested that he send it to me. So, hi, Jasmine. Hi, Mr. Witski. Thanks so much for sharing your photo with us. Okay, she gets an A.
2: No doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All, All right. All right. Uh, what is going on with the Canucks? Who's talking?
8: Who knows? Well, the players uh, were talking last night, and so was Travis. I mean, after a while, it just sounds like the same thing what are they supposed to say they are saying though that well at least they're not saying publicly if there is a problem between them and head coach travis green
16: it's going to come from us in the room and uh, you know, we have to at the end of the day we got to start getting the job done.
8: they are only a quarter of the way through the season but they look to have already blown a playoff spot
2: And just when flooded residents needed a lift, they got one. The rescue crews who showed up in the nick of time coming up.
3: Global News Hour at 6.
0: There's no joy in Canuckville. The Canucks are striking out.
8: Zero. <laughs> there is zero joy. Um, the Vancouver Canucks hit the 20 game mark last night, the way a bug hits a windshield. Uh, Vancouver is actually three points behind what they were last season after 20 games, and last season was awful. Travis Green is still the head coach. Jim Benning is still the GM. There's a game tomorrow in Columbus. We aren't sure if Travis Green has lost the room, but we are sure that losing is pretty much all he and the Canuck players have been doing of late, and everybody seems dazed and confused.
15: It's really, really hard mentally to stay the course and stay, you know, know, used our process to to win games. And I always tell you guys, it comes from moving your feet and competing, and for me at least, Mm and... I think when we get everybody to buy in, we're really hard to play a team to play against. Is everyone buying in right now?
1: I don't know. Like I said, we're not going to get out of this by pouting and hanging our heads. No one really cares where we're going. Um, You know, so we got to bring it, uh, get out of it ourselves. Um, No one's going to help us. It's going to be within the the group collectively to,
15: to get out of it.
17: There are many obvious reasons for the losses piling up: Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser's lack of goals, the league's worst-ranked penalty kill. But the fixes are more subtle—a lot of little things that, if executed, can make big differences in games.
1: You know, details on winning battles and winning puck battles, and you know, maybe winning your certain of matchup-type stuff. Um, you know, kind of a game within the game. Um, we uh, win that. We, uh, you know, hopefully can serve
16: should turn this thing around doing the small things out there that matters uh we might not win in the first shift but set set ourselves up for for a good game Uh, and i think that's how we have to look at it we just want one shift at a time and cannot build and go from there
17: hey these guys know that if they don't start winning right now the climb to a playoff spot will be nearly impossible even with three quarters of the season to go they've got to summon that will to win
16: I know I'm going to screw up once in a while, but at the same time I'm trying and I know the whole team is trying and and uh, that's what we need from everybody. Um, just uh, the work ethic and, and stuff like, like that. I think that's that's the number one thing that we, we can't get away from that. We always need to have that. Because...
8: Two BC Lions linebackers are CFL award finalists. Bola Combo was up for Canadian Player of the Year and Jordan Williams, Rookie of the Year. The winners will be announced December 10th. I'm thinking Williams has the better chance of winning. Kind of AT&T Stadium in, well, just outside of Dallas. It's uh, the Raiders and it's the Cowboys. It's Thanksgiving. They always play games in Dallas on Thanksgiving and Detroit as well, but Detroit is awful, so we never show them. This was a good game. Deshaun Jackson with a 56-yard touchdown there to uh, give the Raiders an early 7-0 lead. Raiders are up 24-13 in the third when Tony Pollard runs it all the way back. The Cowboys would force overtime in this game. There were a lot of penalties in this game, 14 for both teams. But Anthony Brown, four pass interference penalties, including that and overtime. That's a P.I. because he didn't turn and look at the ball. He just kept looking at the receiver. That sets up Daniel Carlson for the winning field goal. He had five field goals today for the Raiders. The Davis Cup finals are going on in Spain. Canada versus Sweden, 18 teams in the final. Canada finished second in this event when it was played in 2019. Vosik Pospisil against uh, Mikhail Emer. Pospisil, a big serve and forehand winner. But um, Emer was able to help Sweden. Sweep Canada, 3 nothing today. Canada doesn't have Shapovalov or Felix Oje yassim And on Saturday, we will play Kazakhstan.
2: There you go. Thank you very much, Squire.
0: Up next, the vital work of volunteers during BC's flood disaster.
2: to our flood coverage now and more residents of the town of Merritt could be allowed to return home this weekend if water quality testing starts improving
0: meantime we are getting a new first hand look at the rescue mission in Merritt, as volunteers were called in to save the people who couldn't get out fast enough or had decided to stay behind when the city was evacuated kylie stanton reports
11: when the call came in during the early hours of that monday morning this team had no idea what they were getting into.
15: Got on our packs and started walking the streets of downtown Merritt, going door to door, telling everybody that the, that the water level is increasing and they had to pack up and get ready to leave at a moment's notice. And basically as we were going door to door doing that, that moment's notice came.
11: Members of the Nicola Valley Search and Rescue got started and didn't stop for days plucking people from their homes trapped in the flood that left much of the city
15: underwater. You know, we're talking dumpsters floating down the road, cars floating down the road. It look like a war zone.
11: In swift water and by air, 37 people were rescued and VSR assisted by teams from the North Shore and Kamloops.
5: Our members would be out going to rescue people from one house and they would find another two or three people along the way and rescue them as well so um, We rescued probably twice as many as as we got calls for.
11: The conditions, brutal. The water, freezing, sometimes coming up to their necks. All of it, contaminated with sewage, as the flooding caused the failure of the city's wastewater treatment plant.
15: Not cleaned up yet.
11: Now, more than a week later, the gear is in the process of drying out and being sanitized. In that time, only a quarter of the city's residents have been able to return home. Phase 2, located here in purple, can return effective Saturday at noon, pending positive water quality results by Interior Health. But those who live in the flood inundation zone are going to have to be patient.
17: The phase three area will be treated on a block-by-block basis as we can get those critical infrastructure systems back online. With
11: the city moving into the recovery phase, the team is reflecting on all that's happened.
17: It was an incredible experience,
5: and I hope I never have to be part of something like that again.
11: But in case they do, lessons have been learned, and they plan on being ready.
15: You're hearing more and more this is going to become the new norm, so now we need to figure out how how are we going to train for for major flooding events you know you name it that's what we were exposed to that day
0: kylie stanton global news still hard to believe it all unfolded the way it did
2: it's true so much great talent and thank you for the work of search and rescue crews everybody is pulling together hoping for a break in the weather maybe with some sunshine tomorrow christy Mm -hmm.
7: Yeah, not a ton necessarily, Chris, but a break in the rainfall later tomorrow, although there still is a chance of showers out through the Fraser Valley even tomorrow afternoon. Uh, The good news is, of course, much lighter. Uh, The next system that we're watching will move in Saturday morning with the heaviest rain late Saturday into Sunday. And then it's really just continuing from there on in more rain on Monday with another heavy one late Tuesday into Wednesday. My goodness.
2: We're numbering the storms as they come along in the five-day now. It's unbelievable. Thanks very much, Christy. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a good night.
0: Good night, all.